Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Health and Wellness Newsletter Audiocast. I'm your host, Dr. M, and this is Volume 13, Issue Number 22, which happens to correspond with the week of May 15, 2023. This week, we're going to talk about sleep and college. We're going to get a little bit into mothers, since this is the week of Mother's Day, and recipe of the week. If you haven't listened to it yet, Episode number 46 with Jake Hastings on the Dr. M's Women and Children First podcast is a deep dive into what it's like to be in the front lines of service in human health and what are the struggles that people go through when they live in the first world responder world. So whether it's a firefighter, a doctor, a military or police person, these are all important discussions to have. So that's a podcast I think you'll enjoy listening to. So this week, we're going to talk a little bit about mental health and sleep for teens and college students. It was sort of a fun experience for me because my son, Thomas, who's at Elon University, one of his courses, his project was to do a podcast. So he called me up with his buddy and the three of us did a podcast together. So I was technically on his podcast, which was really cool. And they want to talk about mental health and sleep for teens and college students. So here we go. So what are some of the highlights? Nighttime sleep duration has consistently declined over the past few decades. Peak declinations occurred in the late 1990s and early 2000s. Girls were less likely than boys to sleep for seven hours or more per night. Those subjects with the lowest socioeconomic status and ethnic minorities suffered from less sleep. Starting at age 12, more than 65% of the study participants obtained around seven hours of sleep nightly, which is still remarkably low. By the age of 18, this number was sadly down to 28%. These numbers are far below the recommended nine hours of sleep per night for teens. This is the background from which to look at the causes and effects of this sleep, of this loss of sleep duration on mental health. In the journal JAMA Pediatrics, Dr. Chesler wrote a piece entitled, quote, Problems Associated with the Use of Mobile Phone Devices in the Sleep Environment, Streaming Instead of Dreaming, end quote. The article goes on to state that the mere presence of a mobile device in any form of sleeping environment during the time when you are supposed to sleep, and certainly, you know, its use during that time increases the risk of poor sleep, poor sleep quality, and excessive somnolence during the day in all age children that are exposed to these phones or mobile devices. We are 2x more likely to have disrupted sleep if we have a smartphone anywhere in our sleep environment. Furthermore, we know that these devices emit a blue light spectrum, and that also has a negative effect on the release of sleep-inducing hormone melatonin. Blue light is the, the light spectrum that comes up first thing in the morning as your horizon light hits your eye. So that's technically the one that says shut off melatonin and let's wake up. So if you're getting that in the evening, that's a reverse process biologically that you don't want. The devices basically are then telling our brain it's not time to go to bed, and instead, we're going to stay up when the sun is going down, when all of the wiring says to go to bed. It's a problem. From a mental health perspective, self-esteem and mood are highly associated with the diagnosis of a mental health disorder. While there are many avenues to developing adequate self-esteem and mood, one main road to this adequacy is scholastic and sports success through effort and outcome. The effort and success are incredibly tied to sleep through multiple pathways. Principally, sleep restores the energy level of all cellular activity, especially in the brain, where the waste products of neuronal cellular activity are removed. Remember that the brain is an energy-greedy organ, consuming roughly 30% of the macronutrient energy intake. 
the burning of these macros in the mitochondria of, these, of the cells of the brain, the neurons, will lead to reactive oxygen species or reactive oxygen molecules and other waste products that need to be cleaned out lest they damage local neurons over time. The damaged neurons are an upstream problem for the brain inflammation that I believe is another route to brain dysthymia or mood problems. What happens at night while we sleep to these molecules in particular? It turns out that the research team of Dr. Niedergaard at the University of Rochester found that the brain has a pseudolymphatic drainage system that takes out the brain sewage at night called the glymphatic system. This turns out to be a critical as the lymph system is to the body everywhere else outside of the brain to clear out unwanted proteins and junk that can cause local inflammation anywhere in the body. Not specifically related to teens, but still very important is the research around neurodegeneration. In the journal JAMA Neurology, Dr. Ooms, OOMS, and colleagues looked at the amount of beta amyloid protein removed during sleep deprivation in humans over the course of one night. The results are not encouraging for people at risk for Alzheimer's dementia, and also deprive themselves of sleep at the same time, i.e. you have a risk based on genomics or family history and you sleep deprive yourself. Those subjects, when studied and were sleep deprived, noted to have a statistically significant decrease in brain amyloid clearance. So that's a problem. If you are a student trying to excel in school, work, or sport, the nighttime is critical for removing unwanted memories and consolidating wanted ones. Research in the journal Science is shedding light on the way that we formulate memories while cleaning up our brain storage and cluttered information. Dr. Sorelli, C-I-R-E-L-L-I, and her team studied mice and the effects of sleep on the brain circuit connections called synapses. They found that during sleep, the brain shrinks as weak neuronal synapses are cleaned out or pruned. They hypothesized that by removing these synapses, the brain allows new memories to be made. Well, they looked at the brains of formerly sleeping and awake mice and noted that the synaptic connection shrank by 18% for four out of every five neurons. The larger and more stable neuronal synapses were left alone. This is likely because these neurons hold significant information that the brain had deemed necessary for preservation, i.e. serious memories for self-preservation, like almost being killed by a bull. I would think that a bull chasing you and you survive that event is worth consolidating that memory. That's something you don't want to have pruned because it is advantageous to remember an event that is life-threatening. In the study, all of the neurons were pared down in size in a nightly ritual of restoration that allows for lots of new synaptic connections to be made for new memories. But if you are studying for an exam, trying to remember how to make the perfect shot in soccer, play the notes in band, or any other task, then you want sleep to clean your brain while pruning memories that are superfluous and simultaneously locking in those things that are important as memories of the day. Quote, sleep is essential for the brain. Learning and memory benefit from sleep, whereas sleep loss causes cognitive impairment that can only be reversed by sleep. The pressure, the pressure for sleep increases with time spent awake, and sleep need also depends on the richness of the waking experience and amount of learnings. Findings suggest that the restorative effects of sleep are linked to its ability to affect neuronal activity and synaptic plasticity the capacity to change structure and function based on experience. Synapses are the foundation of neuronal plasticity. In the adult brain, synapses can change their strength and size within minutes or hours in response to new experience and learning." And quote Sorelli et al. 2019. 
As always, the links to these articles are in the podcast, the newsletter form. Sleep is key to recharging and growing the brain in the optimal way. Let us look at memory again. From Dr. Walker's 2008 Sleep Medicine article, quote, Studies using procedural and declarative learning tasks have demonstrated the need for sleep after learning in the offline consolidation of new memories. Furthermore, these consolidation benefits appear to be mediated by an overnight neural reorganization of memory that may result in a more efficient storage of information, affording improvement in next day recall. Sleep before learning also appears to be critical for brain functioning. Specifically, one night of sleep deprivation markedly impairs hippocampal function, imposing a deficit in the ability to commit new experiences to memory. Taken together, these observations are of particular ecological importance from a professional education perspective when considering that sleep time continues to decrease across all age ranges throughout industrialized nations. End quote. Matthew Walker, 2008. In other words, when we obtain inadequate sleep volumes or quality, we are at risk for worsened memory consolidation. Think of this issue in the context of a teenager who has to rise up too early because of archaic governmental rules prizing parents' work hours over a child's learning, or the university student that's staying up late partying or studying at the expense of the sleep because of the poor time management, fear of failure, or other. Teenagers need sleep, full stop. Later start times have been discussed for quite a while with lots of pushback from administrators and parents who fear disruption of schedules without thinking about the group that benefits the most. Dr. Wheaton and colleagues noted as follows, quote, We saw a significant increase in sleep duration of even with relatively small delays in start times of half an hour or so. Later start times also generally correspond to improved attendance, less tardiness, less falling asleep in class, better grades, and fewer motor vehicle crashes, end quote. Wheaton et al., 2016. So we know that poor sleep is associated with hypofunctioning immunity against disease as well. Lots of data here. Specifically, there is reduced function in the innate immune system that recognizes and kills pathogens as soon as they get into our body. It protects against cancer and as well controls the first stages of inflammation throughout the body. This is another serious aspect of prolonged or even acute sleep dysregulation. Illness in the school environment also leads to poor sleep in a loop effect, creating more mental health struggles. If you are sick more often, you will have a more depressed and anxious mood in general. You're, you, you, know, you will struggle more with day-to-day -day activities, leading to frustration, poor playing ability, worsened grades, and on and on culminating eventually in what we see of as more self-esteem concerns over time, which then will compound and potentially lead to more mental health problems. From a public health perspective, sleep is a major determinant of health for all ages and should become a national priority, especially as it relates to motor vehicle use, school function, and long-term disease amelioration. Finally, the other elephant in the room related to sleep is stress. Stress alters the function of the hormone cortisol, and can significantly alter night sleep function. There are three major chemicals that affect sleep, cortisol, adenosine, and melatonin. In normal conditions, adenosine rises during the day, making you sleepy. Cortisol hits its low point at night, and melatonin rises as the sun goes down. This combination puts pressure on you to feel sleepy and want to go to bed. Unfortunately, modern life has made many of us feel stressed and sympathetically fired up, which affects cortisol function. 
Instead of being at its nadir at night, the stress response causes cortisol to rise to an inappropriate level at inappropriate times, disrupting sleep onset and maintenance. Couple this stress with Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, or whatever screen addiction du jour that's going on, and you will have induced melatonin suppression. And look what you have, a recipe for insomnia and disrupted sleep. My partner Wayne Kuntz and I talk all the time about what is more detrimental as a risk factor for poor health, stress, mentally, or poor nutrition. The answer is likely dependent on your genetics, but I think stress is clearly the more problematic player in the sleep realm, according to my understanding of the literature. Exercise is critical for many reasons, including to increase blood flow to the brain necessary for metabolic actions of the brain. The scourge of type 2 diabetes mellitus and hypertension reduce blood flow to the brain, and that alters blood-brain barrier function, increasing the vascular afterload and reducing glucose uptake to the brain, all of which reduce functional metabolic activity globally. We should all move as much as possible daily. Teens should be walking daily at a minimum, preferably playing active sports. Clearly, we need to also be pushing an anti-inflammatory diet and that we really need to look at this as we have ad nauseum over the years. Simple ideas for better health for kids when it comes to teens and college students. Let's list some. Number one. No screens around mealtime. Be present moment with yourself and your eating mates. Number two, definitely no TVs or screens in your sleeping area. This can help reduce the anticipatory anxiety of waking up and checking a device at night or early a.m. In my experience, more boys are using the devices to play games and watch videos, while girls are more into the social media struggles of comparison and projection. Three, enable the blue light suppressor option on all devices from 6 p.m. to 8 a.m. This will help prevent melatonin hormone suppression at night. Four, keep your sleep space as dark as possible to induce melatonin production and promote sleep onset. Dim night lights are okay. Use blackout shades in the longer summer days. Five, meditate and pray often to induce the parasympathetic aspect of your autonomic nervous system and move away from flight or flight mode. Stress definitely messes up sleep onset and latency. Six, Learn the relaxing breath to reduce sympathetic tone. The 478 is my favorite. You can Google it on Dr. Andrew Weil's website or there's a link in the newsletter. Seven, practice yoga or stretching relaxation in the early evening to wind down and de-stress if stressed. Eight, avoid caffeine and late alcohol consumption as they mess with sleep onset and reduce deep restorative sleep volume. Alcohol is like a sedative. It's more like you're being put to sleep for a surgery than you're actually physically sleeping. That's why you're always so tired afterwards. If you are suffering insomnia from serious stress, go and see a quality counselor to begin the resolution and acceptance phase. Remember that the past is the past. It will not change. Only your interpretation and acceptance of any event can reduce its power over self. Exercise and move often daily as sleep is tremendously enhanced by exercise. 11. If you need to be up at 5 a.m., then go to bed by 9 p.m. Teenagers need more sleep and should catch up on the weekend if they're struggling to get to sleep early enough during the week. 12. Treat medical conditions. For example, if you are always congested and have sleep apnea, look into food triggers and allergies. I find that dairy is notorious for causing nasal congestion and its removal of curative for many. If you are overweight and have sleep apnea, try gluten-free and sugar-reduced diet for a month and see how you feel. Consult your physician for appropriate preventative measures that can, that can be taken to alleviate a medically induced sleep issue. 
13. Be wary of prescription drugs. Here are some that affect sleep. Antihistamines like Benadryl, Cetirizine, Zizol. Heart medicines like beta blockers and diuretics can cause insomnia and cramps. SSRI medicines like Prozac and Zoloft can cause daytime drowsiness. 14. If you are a light sleeper, try white noise devices. 15. Avoid naps that last longer than 20 minutes. 16. Consider consulting a hypnotherapist to work on stresses and negative beliefs. 17. And most important of all, have a personal routine that tells your body it's time to sleep. 18. Avoiding, avoid eating within two to three hours of sleep time. Ultimate goal is consolidate good memories and not the ones we don't want. All right, section two. To become a mother is an amazing gift. I always find it a miracle that a tiny sperm and egg come together in an act of passion to create, nine to ten months later, a beautiful infant. I have been blessed to see so many children birth to so many amazing women over my career. It's an absolute pleasure to have had and still have this opportunity. I am so appreciative of the ability to do what I do. Today, I personally want to thank every mother for their tireless efforts, for their love, unconditional, for their ability, for their kindness, for their selflessness. Thanks, Mom. I'm going to read a poem by Catherine Ann, A Mother's Love. A mother gives her children stepping stones to the stars. Her love is unconditional. Her heart has no bars. A mother teaches her children to be confident and bold. Her special love for her children, more valuable than silver or gold. A mother picks up her children and wipes away life's tears. She scares away monsters in the night and silences life's fears. A mother celebrates her children's accomplishments in life. She hurts and cries with them when life brings them strife. A mother shares her love freely with her tender, loving way. She grows more beautiful to her children with each passing day. Mother, I'm grateful for all these things that you do. And on this special Mother's Day, I want you to know how much I love you. Powerful words by Catherine Ann, worthy of reading it out loud to you all. Mothers, thank you for all you do. Section three, the recipe of the week. I made this recently after dropping into TJ's, Trader Joe's. It's easy to make chicken shawarma. Ingredients are a package of Trader Joe's chicken shawarma, two cups of cooked quinoa or whole grain rice, two cups of chopped cabbage and Brussels sprouts, two cups of fresh spinach, one tablespoon of olive oil, one tablespoon of yellow curry powder, or more. I like it a lot, so I add more. Salt and pepper to taste. Real simple plan. In a deep cooking pan, place the olive oil covering the pan surface. Add chicken. Cook on medium heat for a few minutes, browning each side. Add spinach and cabbage mix. Cover and cook on medium-low heat until chicken is thoroughly cooked through. Turn off heat. Add quinoa and mix thoroughly. Add yellow yellow curry. Mix thoroughly. Salt and pepper to taste. Fantastic dish, folks. Simple, great, loaded with good stuff in it. This dish is loaded with anti-inflammatory curcumin, protein, many anti-cancer polyphenols and chemicals from the brassica family of vegetables, lots of vitamin C, B, and iron. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, As always, appreciate everyone being here. Song of the Week is Telescope by Cage the Elephant. And the only other thing I'll say is my free thoughts. Mother's Day. A child doesn't come with a manual. It comes attached to a mother who strives for the best in her offspring every day. 
She toils and struggles to guide and protect the infant until he or she emancipates to the age of release into the world. Then the ultimate price is paid when she has to let go of that which she so cherishes, her child. We celebrate all the mothers during the Mother's Day time frame, but frankly, it should be every day of the year. Mothers are loved, revered, and we are all grateful for everything that they do. As always, folks, hug those kids. Thank you for everything you do. And if you like this podcast, rate it on Apple iTunes Podcasts. Have a great day. Now for disclaimer. The information provided in this audiocast newsletter is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or other healthcare professional and is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue and does not constitute the formation of a provider-patient relationship.